0: Well, it is a beautiful morning. I do believe that last week we had the air conditioner on, and uh, this week we have the uh, the heater on. Although I told Sue that we were going to have we were going to have church outside this morning uh, i don 't think she appreciated that too much so uh, so maybe we won 't but uh, it is good to see everybody here uh, this morning. We have been in the book of first John, the little letter that John writes for quite some time we We started off and we looked at the fact that we don't have to wonder why John wrote the letter. He tells us very clearly. He gives us four times at least that he tells us why he wrote the letter. In chapter 1 and verse 4 he says, We write this to make our joy complete. And then in chapter 2 and verse 1 he says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. And then in chapter 2 and verse 26 he says, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. And then chapter 5 and verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So that you may know that you have eternal life. And as we began and as we've gone through. We've looked at four kind of lessons that permeate throughout the letter. And the first one is that doctrine matters. John starts off by saying what you believe is important. And then he goes on, he says that holiness matters. How we live our lives does matter. We can't just say we believe in God and then live any way we want to. And then he also tells us that love matters. And he tells us that our confidence matters. And throughout this book, he talks about confidence. He wants us to have confidence in our salvation and in our faith. Love, as we've been talking about, has been one of the key themes in First John. We haven't gotten to the core of that discussion yet. We will today. But already in chapter 1, and verse 9, he said, Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. And whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and there's nothing in him to make him stumble. So right there in chapter 1, we get that little hint about you know, loving, loving one another is important. And then in chapter three in verse one, we read a couple of weeks ago, how great is the love that the father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. How great is the love that the father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. He'll go in a little later in the book and talk a little more about God's love for us. But today, he talks about the love that we ought to have for one another. So if you have your Bibles, open to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 11. Now, I know since all of you have been reading 1 John every week, two or three times a week since we started, you probably have this memorized. But I also know the holidays have kind of cut into some of that. And maybe we haven't been as diligent as we should be. But in chapter 3, and verse 11, he says, This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brother, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because love lo- we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with action and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and we receive from Him anything we ask because we obey His command and do what pleases Him. And this is the command to believe in the name of the Son Jesus Christ and to love one another as He commanded us. Those who obey His commands live in Him and He in them. And this we know, and this is how we will know that He gives life in us, that He lives in us. We know it by the Spirit. That he gave us. Now the command to love one another is nothing new. In fact John says you've known it from the very beginning. Jesus and the other disciples and many of the followers of God. They understood what the commandment was. And you remember that Jesus was asked on several occasions. What is the greatest command? And he said it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus also said in John chapter 13 and verse 34 and 35, as he's meeting with his disciples, this new command I give you that you love one another. As I have loved you, you ought to love one another. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And we talked about this in our high school class. I think it was last week or week before last. But Jesus said a new command I give you. That you ought to love one another. And we look at that on the surface of it. And if we just take that phrase. We say to ourselves. Well that's nothing new. God's been saying from the very beginning to love one another. We already knew that was the greatest command. What do you mean it's a new command? As I have loved you. You ought to love one another. Oh, there's a little different twist to it. Not just that we ought to love one another, but we ought to love one another as Jesus has loved us. And by this, he said, all men will know that you are my disciples. Remember, we talked about doctrine being important, we talked about holiness being important, it matters. But love matters also. In fact, it is love that is going to be the beacon that is going to be the thing that is going to bring people to Christ. It's not going to necessarily be our doctrine. We teach our doctrine. We teach what the Bible says after they see our love and they want to be a part of what we have. The world out there is not going to be convinced that we are God's children, that we are his disciples because of our doctrine. At first, they're going to know we're God's children because of our love. They're going to know that we are disciples because we love one another. So this is not a new command. But we notice here uh, uh, in these verses, John first describes anti-love. We talked about the Antichrist. Remember the Antichrist in 1 John? Well, we're going to talk about anti-love. We got anti-love here. In first John, and then we'll talk about what love does for us. But first of all, he says murder is not love. Well, that's pretty obvious, right? We kind of all understand that. I was reading something, you know, a commentary and it said, you know, murder is like the lowest form of relationship on earth. Well, I guess that might be true. You know, Uh, you know, that, that, that may be, that may be right. But he lists Cain as an example. And if we go all the way back to Genesis chapter four, and we remember that story, it says now in verse one of Genesis four, now Adam lay with his wife Eve and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. Will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother, Abel, let's go out in the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother, Abel? I don't know. He replied, am I my brother's keeper? Now, one of the things we notice about Cain is that Cain was not an atheist. Cain was not one who didn't believe in God. Cain, in fact, was a worshiper. In fact, if you notice the way that that says that, nowhere does it say that the Lord commanded them to bring those offerings. Now, maybe he had. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying the way it's written, it says Cain brought some of the fruits of his crops. And then Abel brought some of the firstborn of his flocks. And so we kind of wonder and think, you know, what was it that was wrong with Cain's sacrifice? Why did God not like Cain's sacrifice, but he did accept Abel's sacrifice? Well, I don't know for sure. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think it had to do with attitude more than anything else. Because over in Hebrews it says by faith Abel brought a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain brought. Maybe it's because he brought some of the crops and not the first fruits of the crops. I don't know what it was exactly. But whatever it was, it was not accepted by God and Cain got so angry. Cain got so jealous that he killed his own brother and god asked that rhetorical question am i or cain asked the rhetorical question am i my brother's keeper and the answer is yes we are our brothers and sisters keeper murder is listed in all the will not inherit the kingdom of god passages right you know over in the new testament these people these people these people they're not going to inherit the, murderers they're they're in there they're in all of them we understand that It was one of the, it's the first of the Ten Commandments that has to do with our relationship with each other. You know, the first five kind of have to do with our relationship with God. And then the next five had to do with our relationship with each other. Thou shalt not murder. I get to be the second. Honor father and mother be in there first. But thou shalt not murder. John extends the discussion to the world's reaction to believers. Why does the world hate us? Why does the world want to murder us? Because their own actions are evil. The world understands and the world knows that it's not acting right. The world knows that the Christian way is of value. And, but they don't want to listen to it. They don't want to believe it. And they will go to any lengths to try to make themselves look better. And that would even extend to murder isn't that exactly what Cain did Cain wanted to it just, it just ate him up that Abel was more acceptable to God and it's not so much that Cain that Abel was so good it was something about what was wrong with Cain and he couldn't change what was wrong with him so he was going to kill Abel David David sins and he wants to cover up that sin So that nobody will find out. And he tries several different ways and schemes and things like that. And it doesn't work. And he ultimately has to rely on murder. And having Uriah killed. Now as I look out here this morning. I don't see many murderers. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. None that I'm aware of. Maybe. I don't want to know. But maybe. And so you may have listened to this last five or ten minutes or whatever while I was going on about murder. And you may be thinking this has absolutely nothing to do with me. Oh yeah it does. Because John goes on to say that hatred is not love. And in fact what John says is that hatred is the root of murder. And he says in verse 15, anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. Isn't that exactly what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, you've heard that it was said, thou shalt not murder. But I tell you that anybody who is angry with his brother, anybody who... Calls his brother Raka or you fool or says disparaging things about his brother has already committed murder in his heart. Whoa! Now, I may never have taken a gun or a knife or a club and beat anybody to death or killed anybody, but has there ever been hatred in my heart? Has there ever been anger in my heart? To the point that maybe inside I'm a murderer just as Cain was. Hatred is murder. Words are murder, John says. And just like John discusses later, we cannot have fellowship with God if we are not in loving fellowship with one another. We cannot have one without the other. They, they are intertwined. I cannot say that I love God If I hate you, I cannot say that I am in fellowship with God if I'm not in fellowship with you. Remember, Jesus said it's so important in that discussion. He said, in fact, if you go to the altar and you're there to make your sacrifice, you got everything ready. You know, when you sing that song, all things are ready. Remember, Everything's ready. You're ready to make that sacrifice. And you remember that you have a problem with your brother or your brother has a problem with you. Leave the sacrifice. Don't even offer the sacrifice. Go and fix things. Go and repair things with your brother or your sister. Then you can come back. And offer your sacrifice to God. Then you can come back. And be in fellowship with God. So he says murder is not love. He says hatred is not love. And you may be here. You may be thinking. Not a murderer. I don't really hate anybody. You know. I I don't hate anybody. John says. Hold on. Because the third thing he says is indifference is not love. Oh, that changes things a little bit. Not murder, not hate, just simple indifference. But what John says here is that love is not just the absence of evil. It is the presence of action. It's not just the absence of evil, it's the presence of action. John, just as Jesus did in the upper room, uses Jesus' love for us as an example. Look again at verse 16 through 18. This is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Jesus said in the upper room, he said, greater love has no man than this. That a man lay down his life for his friends. And then he goes on to say, and you are my friends. You see, John is reminding us that our love, just like Jesus love, needs to be sacrificial. It needs to be demonstrated with the actions that we ought to have. The parable of the Good Samaritan, you remember that? We remember that, you know, the Jesus. This was specifically in response to the love question, wasn't it? Love the Lord your God. He asked what the greatest command was. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. But the man wanted to justify himself. I love that term. He wanted to be okay with himself. So he said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? You see, he had this idea that love, there was a a definite, you know, border, boundary to which my love should extend. And maybe, you know, certainly to my family, maybe to you people. But beyond that, do I really have to love everybody out there? And so Jesus told the parable of the good Samaritan. The man got beaten up and he was on the road. And you remember the Levite came by and saw him and just kept on going. The priest came by and saw him and just kept on going. And the Samaritan stopped and took care of him. Now, did the Levite and the priest do do anything wrong? No. Not overtly. I mean, it's not like they went up and kicked him while he was still down. It's not like they went up to see if maybe they hadn't gotten all the money, the robbers. Maybe there was a little something left. They didn't spit on him as they walked by. They didn't overtly do anything wrong. It's what they didn't do. They didn't show the love for that man. Now, my guess is if they'd have walked a mile or so down the road and you'd have stopped them. You know, you're, you're seeing in and you stop him and you say, dude, did you not see the guy over there on the, on the, on the side of the road? Well, yeah, I saw him. Don't you love him? Well, sure. You know, I love everybody. Why didn't you do anything? No, you don't. It was the Samaritan that showed the love by doing something, by demonstrating that love Through the things that he did, through the sacrifice, through the service, through opening our eyes. Just like faith, we talk about this all the time. Faith, real faith is expressed. Real faith is expressed. Real love is expressed. There's a book by Bob Goff named Love Does. And love does. That's exactly right. Rita Veal gave me this letter and asked me to read it. And I originally was going to read it at the end of, you know, during the invitation kind of time. But as I really got to thinking about what it said, it really fits in with this point that we're making. It says, dear Christian friends, it's from Robert and Rita. I spoke with a good friend of mine that I had not talked to in a while last night. What she told me was so sad. Her husband has developed a rare form of cancer. They were devastated because after he found out, their church would have nothing to do with them. Then after they had to start staying at home because of his immune system, they never heard a word from anyone there. She asked me if I'd had that reaction from our church after finding out that I had cancer. I told her no. In fact, just the opposite was true. That there were texts nearly every day, phone calls, food brought in, visits, and offers to drive us to radiation. All of these things and the prayers were so appreciated. We have such a supportive and caring congregation. You are the best and I don't know what we would have done without you. Thank you so much for your loving ways. And thank you for loving us. And see what Rita and Robert were expressing in that is that love does. Love is demonstrated. And we need to make sure that... As we say we love one another, that we demonstrate that love that we have to each other. And then John goes on and he talks about the benefits of love. What does love do for us? John reminds us that it's not with words or tongue or or whatever, but it's with our actions. But he also shows what love does for us. It's a part of our confidence. When we love others in the way Christ loved us, we can be confident before God. Look at verse 21. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. When we love others the way God loved us, we can have confidence. Now, it's not the only thing that matters. Doctrine matters. Holiness matters. But love matters. And when we have that love for each other, it can be part of that confidence that we are in fellowship with God. And that we have that eternal life that John had been talking about. It also gives us confidence in prayer. Our prayers cannot be effective if we do not have love for one another. Again, Matthew chapter 5. Jesus makes it very clear. That before we can have a right relationship with God, we've got to have a right relationship with each other. And that's why he says, leave your gift, leave your offering, go and make amends. Make things up with your brother or sister and then come back. You see, when I truly love you, then that changes my prayer life quite a bit. I think one of the things it does is it makes our prayer life a lot less selfish. Because now I'm thinking more about you. And what you need. And I'm lifting your name up to God. I've still got needs. I've still got things that I'm going to pray to him about. But I want to be less selfish in my prayer life. Because my prayers are going to be aimed towards you. And the third thing he tells us is that when we love, we are abiding in God and him in us. John tells us that our love for each other demonstrates our fellowship with God and his fellowship with us. Look at verse 23 and 24. And this is the command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commands us. Those who obey his commands live in him and him in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit that he gave us. You see, he says that obedience and love go hand in hand. Yes, we have to have the right doctrine. Yes, we have to have the right lifestyle. We have to do the things that God wants us to do. But we have to have love. We have to have love for each other. And we can do all the right things. Obey all the right commandments. But if we don't love each other. Then we don't have fellowship with God. And the vice versa is true. We can have all the love in the world. But if we don't follow God's command. Then we can't have fellowship with him. They are two sides of the same coin. And you can't have one without the other. John will discuss love more a little later. He discussed God's love for us. But for now we are reminded that hatred and Murder. Are also two sides of the same coin. That when we hate, it's just as if we had murder in our heart. Our love must be filled with action, service, and devotion and sacrifice to others. And our love is a part of our confidence in our assurance that we are in fellowship with God. The closer we come into fellowship with God, the more love. We will have for each other if you're here this morning and there's some way that we can help or encourage you we invite you to come now as we stand and as we sing
1: we hope by listening to this lesson you have found a better understanding of the bible and through that better understanding find a closer relationship with god and his son jesus christ our living savior if you have any questions or desire more information please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D-C-O-C dot O-R-G. Or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol.com. Or you can call us at 903 903- If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at 818 West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas, 75638. Our meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service. Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.